Good morning. It's so good to see you and have you worshiping together with us in the house here this morning. Can we also give up a great warm welcome and an applause for all of our online family? Praise God. Thank you for joining us online this morning. You just continue to worship together with us and stay tuned for the word of God this morning. We're excited about what God has in store for us today. I also just want to follow up for a moment quickly on what uh, Michael Lanza shared on the promo there, this, on the video announcements concerning your faithfulness in your giving. I want to just want to say thank you so much for being faithful in putting God first in your life. We do believe here at Grace Church the principle of tithes and offerings, and the word tithe means the first tenth. So it's a principle we see throughout the Word of God. It's a principle of sowing and reaping, and, and God meeting all of our need according to his riches and glory. But there's a principle of first that's taught throughout the Bible. And what I mean by the principle of first means that thing that you do first affects everything you do after that. For example, if you're going to paint, whether it be your car, your living room, or whatever, the first thing you want to do if you want it to turn out well is you want to prep. Everyone say prep. If you don't prep before you start painting, you can be the best painter in the world, but it's still not going to turn out all that well. If you don't prep and take care of the nail holes in the wall or the, all, the, all the things that are wrong with the room in the first place, if you just try to cover it up with paint, it's not going to work that well. It might look fresher and shinier, but it's still not going to be right. Likewise with our finances. When we give first unto the Lord, it affects everything. It affects everything after that that we do in our stewardship in a very positive way. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to keep God first in your life, to continue to be faithful unto him. And it also, uh, as you are faithful unto him in the giving of your tithes and offerings, it enables Grace Church to do what Grace Church is here to do, to proclaim the good news of the gospel and, and also just be reaching out to to a world that needs to be hearing the good news and also reminding us of the good news. So praise God. I want to share that with you this morning. I also wanted to give you a quick update. Nancy and I, we did make the move to Florida, to Ocala, Florida, a month ago. We moved all of our furniture and stand there. Uh, the plan originally was to do that at the end of this year, but we had a really good offer, private offer on our home that we didn't want to refuse, and our home in Florida was ready. And so we just made, go ahead, and we went ahead and made the move sooner than we had anticipated. But I'm, as you see, I'm back. I was back last Sunday. I'm here today. I'll be leaving uh, to go back to Florida on Wednesday. Then I'll be back again on Sunday, September 10th. I'll be here ministering the Word of God again. And then I'm not sure if it's going to be for the 17th or the 24th. But anyway, I'll be commuting back and forth. It's just a quick commute. It's only two and a half hours via airplane. <laughs> But uh, no time zone changes, so it's, it's very doable, and it just made sense to do it. The idea of renting an apartment in the interim just sounded very laborious to move furniture from the house to an apartment, then from the apartment to the new home in Florida. So anyway, we love you. We're here. We're going to continue to make that uh, trek back and forth throughout the end of the year. And in December, the weekend of December 9th and 10th, we're going to, on the 9th, we're going to have a, a, a celebration of 40 years of Pastor Ray since the church was founded, 40 years of, of uh, pastoring. 
So it's a 40-year anniversary, and some people are calling it a retirement party. I don't like the word retirement, so I believe in refiring. But anyway, mark that on your calendars. You'll be getting more information on that. We want to do a, uh, just a, a big thank you, Jesus, on, on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, December 9th, and you'll all be getting invitations to that. So we want to encourage you to go ahead and mark that. Then on Sunday, December 10th, will be the Transition Sunday when I... Uh, take the mantle off of my shoulders and I put it over onto Pastor Vern and, uh, and that'll be the transition Sunday on Sunday, December 10th. So keep all that in prayer and also just put that on your calendar. We would love to have you all be here and those of you that are watching online, we would encourage you. If you can be here in person, it'd be awesome. If not, we understand, but certainly continue to log in and participate with us online. We appreciate it all so much. So so praise God. So again, thank you. We love you. Thank you for your prayers for us. And, and a, a transition is always necessary, but it's not always easy. The, the change is hard, but transition is necessary. And so just continue to keep the whole thing in prayer. And say, Pastor Ray, we don't want to see you leave, really? You want to watch me turn 100 years old? <laughs> I don't want to watch me turn 100 years old. <laughs> but anyway, I'm only 40 now, because that'd be a long time to wait. <laughs> I started the church right when I was born. But anyway, <laughs> praise God. We love you. And uh, let's go right into the word of the Lord this morning. Started a series a few weeks ago. Pastor Vern kicked it off. It's titled Prayer, Praise, and Prophesy. Teach us to pray, compel us to praise, and also to teach us to prophesy. So we want to continue on that line this morning. It's going to be a little bit of a combination of prayer and praise this morning. Just relax. When you say Pastor Ray's teaching on praise, what does he know about praise and worship? I know quite a bit about praise and worship. I'm just not a good praise and worship leader. All right, but I do love to praise and I do love to worship God. It has nothing to do with my skills, my abilities, musical skills, or vocal talent. Neither does it have anything to do with your music skills or vocal talent. Now, it does have a lot to do with those that are on stage leading us in praise and worship. We certainly want people that can sing and play instruments. That's, that's, that's a different calling. That's a different gifting. So we're going to be talking about the importance of praising the Lord. And uh, what you need to realize is that I've, I'm convinced, and I think it's true, that all of us, by nature, are worshipers. Some people, like, you know, they'll take the posture when you talk to them about worshiping God. Say, well, I'm not really a worshiper. It's just kind of inside, and I'm kind of quiet about it. And I've heard so many people say that, especially men tell me that. And then I go to their house for a sporting event, or we go to a sporting event together, and all of a sudden, they are the most exorbitant worshipers I've ever come across. It's like, wow, they have no problem going, yes, yes, yes. Where'd that come from? I thought you're not a worshiper. All of a sudden, you're getting exuberant about someone carrying a leather ball across a goal line or someone dunking you know, a hoop, you know, whatever it may be, whatever your sport may be. But we are all worshipers by nature. The question, is, uh, the question isn't, do we worship? For we all worship in one way or another. The question is, what are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? 
Many people are into worshiping nature. I, I enjoy nature, and I'm awestruck by the beauty of creation. And I, uh, Nancy and I, are some of our favorite vacations are, are, are going to uh, just wonderful places you know, and just enjoying the great outdoors and so forth. And, and so I enjoy nature as much as anyone enjoys nature. And, and I can, I'm, when I'm in nature, I find myself being very worshipful. I'm worshipful, but I'm not, thanking, I'm not worshiping nature itself or creation itself, when I'm in the majestic mountains or lakes or wherever it may be, I'm worshiping the creator that created all this. And I think, how beautiful is this? How great is our God? He created all this. When I look up the stars at nighttime in a very dark sky and to see the beauty of creation and just all the galaxies, I'm all struck by the beauty of his creation. But we, uh, and so the, and it, it's good to be reminded of God and, but, uh, and allow creation to direct your attention to God and thank him for it. But people, all people are worshipers and people, uh, they flock to concerts, uh, to sporting events or their favorite artists or their favorite sports teams. And many people, they spend a lot of money. They say, well, I'm not a, really a worshiper and I'm not so sure I like the idea of giving to God, but you know, you'll go out and buy a $100 jersey with the, with the number on of your favorite athlete. Come on now, don't shout me down. We're just getting started. They're adorned with their appropriate attire. They give a time and money, sometimes sacrificially, for the opportunity to be with and to be a part of others that are just like them. You know, you like to go to the the Phillies game or you like to go to the Eagles game. Those are some of the most obnoxious worshipers I've ever come across. But, you know... When you're a Washington fan like me, you, you thank God you have God to worship. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're coming back. <laughs> and so, uh, but people are worshipers, and, and you know, uh, we love to be together with, with, uh, with people that are like-minded, a common focus. We stake our lives on it, and we put a lot of energy into it. So we know how to worship. We just want to be reminded of uh, who we are to be worshiping, that we're to be worshiping God, our Father, in spirit and in truth. Amen. Can you all agree with that so far? You all doing all right? Psalm 34. Beginning at verse 1, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us, corporately, let us exalt his name together. Verse 4 is, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And so it's just an an incredible exhortation. He says, I will praise. In verse 1, I will praise. I will constantly speak of his praise. Then in verse 2, he says, I will I will boast only in the Lord. So we have three I wills there. I will praise, I will constantly speak, and I will boast only in the Lord. So I want you to, to be encouraged and to know that, yes, you, it, it's perfectly appropriate and it's expected of us and incumbent upon us to be people that are praising the Lord our God, constantly speaking of his praises and boasting in his goodness and his mercy, then also incorporated in that is prayer. I prayed and he answered me. I prayed and he answered me. 
So the Psalms are filled with admonitions to worship the Lord, to praise the Lord, to be a person of prayer, and to pour your heart out before God. Some of the Psalms are desperate cries, and that's okay. That can be a form of worship. You cry out to the Lord. He hears you. And not only do you cry out, and not only does he hear you, but he answers you. So they're desperate cries, while others are filled with joyful thanksgiving, and, and others have the uh, theologically or historically based instructions in them that we are to praise the Lord for his person, for who he is. Praise the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Praising and worshiping God for his power or for his goodness. So the Psalms are filled with it, but they conclude in Psalm 150. Uh, it's only six verses in Psalm 150. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequal greatness. Isn't that wonderful? Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. And we say clash of cymbals. To me, that sounds like it has some energy to it. It has some, it has some volume to it. Uh, praise him with the... Uh, just, just keep it mellow here. Let's just keep it toned down. No, no. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. Let everything, it concludes, of all the psalms that you read, like I said, some, some are just historical questions, some are theological issues that give us guidelines for praising God. In the Psalm 150, the first five verses talk about the various ways and methods to worship him with various instruments, but it concludes in verse 6. Let everything that breathes... Making sure... I'm not seeing anyone in here that's not breathing. <laughs> let everything that breathe, some translations say, let everything that has breath. And what are you supposed to do? Sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everything that breathes. You are here this morning. You have God's wonderful creative gift of breath in your lungs. That in and of itself is reason enough to praise the Lord. Can someone shout amen? amen? Amen. And so what happens when we fail to understand the beauty of his holiness, the greatness of his power, and the person of his being, and, and the instructions throughout the Psalms for praising and worshiping and praying unto the Father and then, then learning to hear from God and then to speak that forth, known us to prophesy. When we fail to understand value and purpose and the power that can be manifested in praise uh, uh, prayer and prophecy, what happens is we lose interest and we end up engaging in sloppy, half-hearted interaction with God. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of of it all. Are you with me? I'm stepping on your toes. That's all right. We're going to get rid of that. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. When it comes to our prayer, our praise, and our worship, 
We should be doing it enthusiastically. Let's think about, it helps me when I think about who am I worshiping this morning. Uh, and then it really doesn't matter, is it my favorite song or not, or is it my favorite worship leader or not. But I, I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord of Lords. And just a little side note also, worship is far greater than a call to worship. Some people confine worship to, well, it's time to worship God because it's 10 o'clock Sunday morning. Our church worship service starts at 10, so I, 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 you know, this is our time to worship. No, this is our time for corporate worship. But worship wants to be 24-7. We want to be a lifestyle. When I'm at work or when I'm out and about or whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm mindful of God. But it helps me to remind myself of who I'm actually praying to, what I'm petitioning him for, and who I'm worshiping and why I am worshiping because I have the gift of breath in my lungs. And I, I should not just be taking it for granted that I'm going to have it this afternoon or tomorrow or the next day or even the next moment. We, I have breath in my lungs. Let everything that has breath sing unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. I remember some time ago, part of the ministerium I'm a part of, I got, a, I got an email from the leader of the ministerium, and it was an urgent prayer request for one of the members of the ministerium uh, that were in a, a life and death situation. Life was kind of hanging in the balance there, and the, the, the request went out for us to be praying for them, for him. And I remember reading it, and I didn't know this person real well, but I knew who they were talking about, and I remember it's kind of threw out a prayer didn't really throw it, I just kind of lobbed it, just kind of. And uh, after I did that, I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I had this thought that if I was ever in a life and death situation, and I asked people to pray for me, and they prayed for me with the same enthusiasm and passion and conviction that I just prayed, I, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> So I repented for being kind of lazy and sloppy and half-hearted about that because I really didn't put into it what was being asked of me. I know I'm not talking, I'm, I'm really just encouraging myself this morning. And I'm okay with that. It was worth flying up here to encourage myself. So I, I, I appreciate, appreciate you all just reflecting back to me and say, Pastor Ray, that's all about you this morning. You know, you need to pray passionately. You need to worship enthusiastically. You need to get with it. And the people that stand in front of me say, no, no, just tone it down, <laughs> tone it down. <laughs> You're throwing me off key here. That's your problem. I'm enjoying worshiping God. Don't let me bother you. Praise God. So anyway, let's, let's do what we do with enthusiasm. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a story in there about uh, Jehoshaphat. And he's the, the king of Judah. And he was doing quite well, and Judah was experiencing a, a pretty restful, peaceful time. But in verse 20, in, in chapter 20, in verse 1, all of a sudden, uh, the dynamics are changing. And in verse 1, it says, After all this, the armies of the Moabites and the Amorites and some of the Meunites uh, declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told him, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. And, and, and just a, a, a vast army. And where, where all they were from. Now, verse 3 goes into and it says, and, and Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. 
And so I think there's a lot of parallels in here with this story that we're going to go through this and, and bring out the parallels for it can be for our corporate life, corporate life of the church, corporate life in the kingdom, but also on a personal level, it can be very applicable. And what I see in this particular story is we have teaching here and showing us the importance of, of uh, prayer, the importance of praise and worship, and also the importance of receiving a word from the Lord, instructing us in what we are to do after we put our petitions before him, which comes to uh, Jehoshaphat through a word of uh, prophecy. That's, that's hearing a word from the Lord, a now word. Everyone say a now word. This is not something you build. You don't build doctrine on a, on a, on a personal word that comes to you. It, it's, a, it's a now word, and it, ha, it can be for the corporate body, or it can be for you individually. But we have all three of them in here, praise, prayer, praise, and prophecy. And so Jehoshaphat, all of a sudden, they are surrounded. They are surrounded, and he hears the bad news, and he is terrified. In our own personal lives, you know, we can have a, we we can be surrounded by opposition. It doesn't have to be different countries and all these different armies, but in your personal life, many times you can, you can have, your your current reality may be no matter which way I look, I am surrounded by difficulties. And I'm hearing bad news concerning the economy. I'm hearing bad news concerning my health. I'm hearing bad news concerning my family relationships. I'm hearing bad news about whatever it may be. And you are, you're feeling like no matter which way I turn, life just seems to be a struggle. It's difficult. It's challenging. And, and it just seems there's opposition in every direction. And so and when, and when Jehoshaphat is hearing all this opposition, he is terrified by the news, and he immediately, verse 3, he begged the Lord for guidance. Begged the Lord for guidance. He's turning to the Lord. Not only did he turn to the Lord, but in verse, two, verse 3 says, he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting, the fasting and prayer. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. So it was a, a corporate coming together, seeking the Lord's help, seeking his direction, seeking his, his uh, deliverance, so to speak. And in verse 5, tells us that he stood, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. Then verse 6, he's, he prayed, O Lord, O Lord. And that's a good way to start your prayer. When you are surrounded by adversity, every way you are, every direction you are looking into, you see adversity. There seems like there's not, I, I, I can't catch a break. Has anyone ever felt like that other than myself? You've been in life situations. You're in seasons of life. Or I, I just can't catch a break. Every direction I'm looking, I'm being challenged in every area. And so he cried out to the Lord and, and begging, begging for the Lord's guidance. And in verse 6, he prayed. Now, I'm going to read through this. I normally don't uh, read this many verses in a row, but just follow along. And I want you, just, I want you to get the, the gist of this particular prayer. He said, he prayed, O Lord God, of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. 
Notice how he begins the prayer. We talked about it last Sunday. He began worshiping God. You exalt the Lord God. Thank him for his goodness and his mercy. Magnify is the word we use. You magnify God. You're not making him bigger than he is, but you're, you're magnifying him in your eyes, in your heart. You're, 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 you're worshiping and you're praising him, magnifying him. It says no one can stand against you, making a declaration. No one. It said, oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and, and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, I want to say any calamity. Then he lists them, such as war, plague, or famine. We can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We have that same invitation in the new covenant. We are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. We come before him in the name of Jesus. And so uh, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. You see the blend of, of lamenting and crying out to God and talking about, here's my dilemma. Here's, where, here's the reason I'm in fear. Here's the reason I'm coming to you, believing that you're going to help us. And then, but then also in that incorporating, which is, a, which is a, 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 a little snippets of to prophesy, to, 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 you know, the prophecy that we're speaking of, you're, you're declaring the outcome. You're speaking forth that which is not as though it were. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us, proclaiming the desired, the, the desired end. It says, now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing you would not let our ancestors invade these nations when Israel left Egypt. So we went around them. We did not destroy them. And now he's getting a little bit more lamenting here. He says, now look at us. Now look at the reward that we get. He says, now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless. Now there's humility. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you to help us. Looking to you to help us. That's a good place to be looking to when you don't know what to do. When you are surrounded on every side by adversity. And then in verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before, before the Lord... With their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. And it gives you his name and his dad's name and his dad's dad and his mom's mom and just, you know, goes on. <laughs> Have fun pronouncing them all. My point being is that the Spirit, with this prayer, when this prayer concluded, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon. And what happened here is God answered their prayer. And he answered it. He answered it as they were standing there, and uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, uh, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani. The Spirit of the Lord rose up within him, and all of a sudden within him, he felt like he had a word from the Lord. He had, a, he had some words to give them, and he shared those words. 
a word, a, a now word. Everyone say a now word. In this situation, under this circumstance, at this time, this is how God is going to take care of this situation. This is not something you say, well, I need to do it just like this every time. No, you need to pray and you need to worship. Then you want to hear from God. How's he directing you? How's he leading you? How's he guiding you? And so here's their, here's their word for, for, for this particular time. But, you can, but the, the principle here is something we want to learn to apply to our lives. In verse 15, he gave the word. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and, and Jerusalem. That's a good thing to do. When we, many times when we talk about prayer and praise and worship and so forth, it is, it is a, a, a magnifying God, is magnifying his name, is extolling his name, is thanking him. And in prayer, we put our petitions before him. But don't just keep going on and on and on and on. It's, it's conversation, it's communication. It's a, there comes a time in your prayer and your worship time, there's a time to listen. You're asking God for direction. You're asking God to help us. You're expecting him to reveal his way to us, to you, but you never take time to, well, what's he saying? Well, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. That's because he kept talking. You kept rambling, and you kept petitioning, and you kept crying, and you kept begging, or you kept worshiping and whatever. Take a time to be quiet. Reflective prayers. Say, Lord, what would you say in this situation? And then when you ask him that, then be quiet. Just practice being quiet. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's much easier just to keep uh, putting our petitions out there. And, and you, we're more like the psalmist, you know, we're worshiping him, we're, we're petitioning him, we're, we're bemoaning our circumstances, and we're, we're crying about our circumstances, and then we're extolling him, we're worshiping, and just all over the place. And that, that's okay. God's okay with that. He gave us emotions. And so he's not offended by our emotions. He's not offended by our ups and our downs, but don't keep going on and on. And right now I sense God saying, Pastor Ray, don't keep belaboring this fact. Let's move on. <laughs> so here we go. Everyone say, I got it. I got it. All right. Now I'm free to go. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. This is what he's saying. Remember, it started out, he heard that there's surrounding armies all around them, and he was terrified by the news that he received. And then they're praying, they're putting their petition before God. Now the word of the Lord's coming back to them, and he's saying, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. What does it say? Do not be afraid, verse 15. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by the mighty army. There's a mighty army coming against you. The, the circumstances that you're facing, the challenges that you're up against, they're, they're for real. We're not, we're not being dismissive of, well, stop worrying about it. It's no big deal. No, no, it's a big deal. But don't worry about it being a big deal because you serve an awesome, mighty God. All right? So just don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. The battle is not yours. Isn't that good news? Just take a chill pill. Just relax. God's, God's got this. Now, it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but know that God has it, and he's going to continue to instruct you in how to follow his prompting. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by the mighty army, that which causes you to be terrified. For the battle's not yours, but God's. Now... First of all, calm down. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Your circumstances are real. 
Doctor's report is, is what it is from, the, from a medical standpoint. Don't be in denial of it. It is what it is, but, we, but God. Everyone say, but God. All right. Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with you. So uh, listen, in, in verse uh, 17, you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Now, it, you have to be comfortable with the tension of the vocabulary here. It says this battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. He's got this. Stand still. I think, well, then I don't do anything. I just stand here and I just wait. That's not really what it's saying. Stand still. Take your position. Spiritually, take your position. Remind yourself, what is my position? My position, your position is one of being in Christ. Your position is one of being raised up to be seated with God in heavenly places above all principality, power, and might. That is your spiritual inheritance. That is your birthright. That's who you, that is your citizenship as a child of God, as a, as a member of the kingdom of heaven. That is your position. Wraith made alive, found in Ephesians, you are made alive, raised up, seated together, together with. Everyone say together with. Together with Christ in heavenly places, far above, far above all principality, power, and might. So when it's what's instructing us to take our position, remind yourself of that. Oh, that's right. My position is of one of being in Christ. My position is one of being above this vast army that's coming against me. My position is one of being with God, in God. God is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. That's who I am. I'm reminding myself of that. So I've taken a stain, and I'm reminding myself of that. Don't be afraid, nor discourage. So it says, back up to uh, verse 17 again. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow. See the conflict there? Stand and go. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to stand. You're supposed to stand in your position. Remind yourself, taking a posture of this is my position, seated with Christ in heavenly places. And now because of that position that I have, I'm going out. I'm going to go out against them, for the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. You notice the, the, the repetitiveness of don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. It's the most replete command in all of Scripture in one form or another. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, don't worry, have no fear. It's throughout the Word of God, and the reason it is is because we have a propensity to be afraid. When we are faced with overwhelming circumstances, fear rises up within us and fear wants to paralyze us. And so it's throughout the word of God, you'll be reminded not to be afraid, but to but become a person of complete trust in God and because he's with us. Verse 18, as, as they were told to go out, for the Lord is with you, says, then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. Another act of worship, bowing down, face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping, worshiping. Everyone say worshiping. 
So we see where they're taking their position. They're crying out to God. They, they, had a, they had a prophecy. They had words of instruction. Now they are worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, verse 19, the Levites from the clan of Kohath and, and Korah stood to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud shout. We have petition, we have prayer, we have expressing our frustration, our discouragement. We have prophecy from the Lord giving us instruction, and we have bowing down in reverence and worship, and we have people standing up, and they are praising the Lord God of Israel with a very loud shout. So it's, a, it's incorporating all of this together. As the Holy Spirit is leading, there's not one better than the other. There's not one's right and one's wrong. Well, I don't think it should be loud or that, that type of thing. If you're proclaiming that it should never be loud, don't let me catch you at a sporting event shouting. <laughs> Just saying. Don't worry about me seeing you do that. Be concerned about God experiencing that where, you know, corporately you refuse to worship and then you go get excited about a chess game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever got excited about a chess game or not. <laughs> I guess a chess game is a lot like many of our worship. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about what my next move is going to be. Three hours later, I make a move. <sighs> then we wonder why the next generation doesn't want anything to do with it. We need to wake up and become people of prayer, people of worship and receiving prophecies and, and being able to prophesy and make the de declarations of the Lord our God. So they had it with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah, verse 20, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, more instruction. I believe this is a, more promptings from, the, from God. This can, you know, prophecy, declaring, making declaration. Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe, everyone say believe. believe. Believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the Lord God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Believe that the Holy Spirit, under the, old, under the old covenant, the word of the Lord came to the people primarily through prophets. Today, we have the Holy Spirit within us. He speaks to us, he leads us, and guides us. And it's, it's, it's equivalent to the prophecies that, that they received in the Old Testament. They were receiving direction. Today, we receive direction of the Holy Spirit, primarily, mostly from within, but there are occasions when the, the, the gift of, the, of a prophet is, is manifested, and there's instructions and directions that are being given. And, and when those are given, that now word, you want to believe that now word, and you want to respond to it and act on it, and your spirit will, will be in agreement with it, and also when you study prophecy in the New Testament, it is always a word to build up and to edify and to encourage the body of Christ. It's not scolding you or scaring you. It's to build up and to edify. Believe the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers. Appointed singers. Appointed singers. 
And what the reason they point to singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithfulness endures forever. Now, if you just read that verse apart from the background, apart from the setting, they were terribly afraid because of the surrounding armies around them. They went to the Lord, they worshiped him, they thanked him, they put their lament before him. It was a mixture of everything in there. Then the spirit of prophecy rose up, gave them instruction not to be afraid, not to be discouraged. The Lord, you know, the Lord is with you and it's his battle, it's not yours. Remind yourself of your position in him, staying firm in that position of being made alive, being raised up, being seated together with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Staying firm in that. And then and, 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 and now, now the next day, what we're going to do is now we're going to go out against this army that's surrounding us. Everything that's surrounding you, everything that's causing you concern, Everything that's causing you to, you know, to have fear, you look at it and you say, okay, now I'm going to go against this financial issue. I'm going to go against this health issue. I'm going to go against this relationship issue. I'm going to go against whatever the other issue may be. Uh, and, and just, I'm going to go against it. I'm not just going to keep ignoring it. I'm not going to continue to complain about it. I'm going to cast it over onto the Lord. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to pour my heart out to him. I'm going to give my lament to him. I'm even going to complain about it a little bit, just like Jehoshaphat did here. You know, said, you wouldn't let us deal with this people back when we could have. Now, this is our reward. Thank you, God. Of course, none of you have ever prayed like that. You never talked to God like that. There's a few occasions when I felt like that and cried out to God like that. You said, thank you, but no thank you. And he didn't strike me down, so God can handle our complaints and our laments. Cry out to him. Let him know what's going on. You're not hiding from him. Worship him. Receive his instruction and descend to singers out. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithfulness endures forever. Next verse. This is the last verse we'll look at here. At the very moment, they began to sing. Everyone say, at the very moment. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Seir to start fighting among themselves. If you read the rest of that chapter, the, the, the surrounding armies coming against Judah, when they began, when they put their petitions before God in prayer and worship, and they responded to prophecy, when they did all these things that I talked to you about, and they, be, and they went out and they began to sing. As a pastor, there's been numerous times when I was going to say, worship team, you go first. I want to send them out before battle. And it wasn't always with a pure heart. So are you okay? <laughs> but we sent the singers out. Meaning, I'm not just going to delegate it to other people, but in my personal life, I'm going to 
First of all, I'm going to go out with praise, adoration. I'm going to sing with a loud shout. I have breath, therefore I am going to worship the Lord my God. I'm going to sing. I know I have all these issues going on in my life. I am fearing for my life. I am feeling discouragement. I'm feeling dismayed. But I am choosing to look to the Lord my God, to magnify him. It's his battle. It's not mine. He promised he would be with me. He promised he would deliver me. And I'm going to stand in that promise, and I'm going to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the moment they began to sing, the Lord brought about a great miraculous deliverance for them. And he's the same God that we are worshiping today. I want to encourage you to continue to be a person of praise and of worship. Never disqualify yourself. Never talk yourself out of it. If anyone had a reason to do that, you're looking at it right now. You're looking at me. I would have a reason to say, well, I can't sing. I can't hold a tune. I mean, when I'm out at Blue Marsh and I'm out there jogging and I have my earpieces in and I'm just singing along with the song that's going on, and my lovely wife is coming the other way. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking she's going to say, hey, good to see you, good pace. And she goes, you're on a tune. <laughs> All of a sudden, the beauty of creation didn't even look good anymore. I thought, I don't believe this. <laughs> Who cares if I'm on a tune? I didn't think anyone cared. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just sharing that with you. I'm busting on myself. I want to make sure you don't ever disqualify yourself. I just continued to sing anyway. And it, it was a song by that, uh, that Reagan guy. I forget his first name. Is I'm going to climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I'm going up the hill. I'm going to climb this mountain with my hands wide open. He said, you're out of tune. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to continue to climb. I'm going to continue to keep my hands open. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to worship. I'm going to continue to take a stain. And every time I do that, the Lord brings about a great victory, turns the enemy against itself, and they destroy destroy one another rather than destroying me. Real quickly, in Acts chapter 16, you'll find a story where Paul and Silas were arrested because of the work of the ministry they were doing. They were thrown into prison, and not only into prison, but into the inner dungeons of the prison. Their, their, their feet were put into the locks, and they were thrown in there, and things were looking quite desperate. They were beaten severely with rods. They beat them. They imprisoned them, and then they're in there. And the Scripture tells us in Acts 16, I encourage you to read it. Uh, it says, at midnight, everyone say at midnight. At midnight, which is symbolic of the darkest hour. Here, Paul and Silas, severely beaten, put in prison for doing the good work of the Lord. Many times you're doing everything that's good and right, but the enemy comes against you. So they are severely beaten and they're, they're in prison. But at midnight, at midnight, everyone heard them in the prison. So they weren't just doing it quietly. They were doing it loudly. They were singing hymns and praising God. Singing hymns, everyone say, singing hymns and praising God. And the prisoners heard them, and suddenly a mighty earthquake took place, and their chains were broken. Not only Paul and Silas, the two that were praying and singing, not only were their chains broken, but all the prisoners, and say, all the prisoners, all held in captivity in their spheres of influence, their chains were broken as well. If you don't allow your chains to break your praise and your worship and your prayer, your prayer, your praise, and your worship will break your chains. Would you please stand and let's worship together.
Don't allow your chains to limit your prayer and your praise. Praise breaks chains if you don't allow chains to break your praise. The prisoner, all of a sudden, was concerned because he realized that everyone was free, their chains were broken, and he was about to take his own life because he knew that he would be killed the next day anyway. Paul shouted out to him, said, don't fear, don't take your life, we're all here, we're all here. And then the prisoner cried out, what must I do to be saved? You may be in here today asking the same question, what must I do to be saved, to be a child of the kingdom of God? What must I do to become a follower of Christ, to have the, to have the assurance of eternity forever in heaven? Paul simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're in here this morning, you have that question, you feel like it's not been answered in your life. What must I do to get in on the good things that God wants to do in my life? The answer is believe on him. If that's touching your heart this morning, say, I want to get in on that. I want to believe in him. Just acknowledge that this morning. Say, I want to believe in him. I want to believe in him. You're in here this morning. I just want to thank you and we want to commend you. You're in here say, I want to believe in him. I want to declare my belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there someone, anyone at all in here this morning? Or perhaps if you're watching online, I want to encourage you. It's as it's, it's simple as believe on him. How do you believe on him? You say, yes, you believe that he's the son of God. You believe that he died for you. You believe your sins are forgiven and you confess him as your Lord and Savior. So I don't see any hands raised in here, so I'm gonna just thank you and acknowledge that you're in the family of God. You've been made alive. You've been raised up. You are seated together in, with Christ in heavenly places, far above. Everyone say far above. I'm above it all. I'm above it all. I'm in Christ. I'm taking my stand. Now, everything that's surrounding you, give it over to God. When you begin to praise and to worship, God sent his miracle and set you free. I believe that's going to happen for many of you in here this morning, if not for all of us. Even for those of you watching online, you don't have to be here. You begin to worship the Lord, the King of Kings. Listen to his voice and then speak what you believe he's speaking to you. And many times it's declaring the end result. You're saying the end result before you see the end result. I need to stop because I'm going into another message with that. But we love you. God bless you abundantly. And just spend a few moments worshiping the king. God bless you.